do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. The website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. And that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, today we are resuming our study in the gospel according to Matthew. And we're ready for chapter 6 and 7 this morning. Now, last week we read chapter 5 dealing with the Beatitudes. And chapter 6 and 7 is just a continuation of this sermon. He's going to be talking about charitable deeds, prayers, fasting, how to deal with wealth, judging. But in the midst of all of these things, he's going to be warning very clearly about hypocrisy. He's going to be warning about... He's, this is how you fast, but don't fast like a, like the hypocrites, the Pharisees do. Here's how you pray, but don't pray like the hypocrites, like the Pharisees do. Don't chase wealth. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. You can't serve God and money. We'll get to that in a minute. My prayer this morning is that these words would go forth and pierce hearts and cause you to draw closer to God. Thank you for joining me. Let's begin chapter 6. Open up your hearts and allow the word of God to speak to you. Verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving will be in secret, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. 
so do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your Father, your heavenly Father, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Please note two things. The first thing is, is notice that in the, this famous prayer, right, the Lord's Prayer, where he's giving us kind of a, a template. It's, it, it's not a stringent thing where you have to pray exactly like this, but he's teaching them. Notice it's give us today our daily bread. As and, and here shortly Jesus will make this point further about worrying about tomorrow. There should be only one thing on our mind that is today. We're going to deal with today. We're not going to worry about tomorrow because that's not even promised to us. We're not going to worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink tomorrow. We're going to trust that God is going to provide those things. What we're praying for is just to serve God today to live in a manner that honors God today and we can't expect that today will be provided for give us today this daily bread the next thing is I want to point out because I like to point these things out because as you've heard me say a quadrillion times your actions matter they have consequences they demonstrate what you truly believe So here's one of those if statements. And I know that if statements really mess with modern day theology, but they're here. Four, if you forgive others their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. Conditional. There are some things with God that are conditional. Like it or not. Greasy grace will not work when you read the Bible. There's expectations. Your behavior matters. Let's continue on. Fasting. Verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men. When they are fasting, truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Please note, I just want to mention one thing about fasting because I think a a lot of times people are confused about what the purpose of fasting is. 
The purpose of fasting is about humbling yourself before God. It's about denying the flesh. I'm not going to feed myself things from this world. I'm not even going to feed myself food, maybe. I'm denying my flesh. You see, when you, when you deny the flesh, the flesh comes down. It's, it, it, can't, it has to be fed in order for it to have control, right? Fasting is the humbling of the soul before God. I want you to consider Psalms 35, verse 13. Here's what the psalmist says. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my my prayer returned into my own bosom I humbled my soul with fasting so the point of fasting is about humility before God it's about your posture and so he's saying don't act like a hypocrite if you're going to fast don't make it noticeable to others like wash your face You should look normal. Don't be like holding your stomach and squinching your face up like the hypocrites do. They're not fasting for the right... They're not humbling themselves. They're trying to get praise from men. So don't do that. Continuing on, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will have one and love the other, or he will devote to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is stoned into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
All these things will be added to you. So not, so not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself each day has enough trouble of its own. So please note before we start chapter 7 here. Again, it's a continuation of that thought. Don't be troubling yourself with worrying about tomorrow. Give us today our daily bread. You say, don't even worry about these things. Why are you so worried about these things? Don't store up treasures here on earth. They're useless. We've been reading out of Ecclesiastes and Solomon talks about how he's got everything, right? Vineyards and servants and money. And he says it's all vexation of spirit. It just disappoints. And the more you obtain, the more hunger you have to obtain. It's kind of like we were talking about fasting for the purpose of kind of quelling or bringing down the flesh. Because the more you feed the flesh, the more it wants. If you've ever had an addiction to anything, you know the more you give it, the more you want. And then the more it takes to satisfy the craving. That's kind of what fasting does is it kind of smashes that. And and the flesh can't grow because it's not being fed. Jesus is saying, don't worry about these things. He goes on to say, focus on this instead. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Like if that's where your heart is, that's what you care about. That's what your focus is each day. These other things that you're spending so much time worrying about, they'll be added to you. Like God knows that you need food and clothing. He's not promising you you're going to wear these extravagant and expensive garments. He's not promising you that you're going to eat at some fancy dining all the time. He's promising that you will have food and the basic necessities. The thing is, if your whole heart is really focused on God, and listen, I need as much work on this as any of you, but if your whole heart is focused towards the kingdom of God, these other things that he would add, that he's going to add to you anyway, you're not even going to care that much about them. Because the more focused you are on God and his kingdom and his righteousness, the less appeal anything of this world has. One thing I've noticed as I've grown in my faith over the last 15 years, 16 years, something like that, is that I'm less and less able to be entertained by the things of this world. Like, there's very few shows that I find worth sitting down for 30 minutes to watch. Video games, not appealing anymore. Just, the things of this world are just lose. I'm just losing interest rapidly. Because I'm seeing just how pointless it all is. Maybe some of you are experiencing that too, where it's like, man, forget entertainment. None of this is entertaining anymore. And part of it has to do with it's all been washed with perversion and it's just impossible to stomach anymore. 
So there's there's part of it, but I think the main thing is that the more you follow Christ, the closer you draw to God, the more you care about the things of God and the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, the less appeal any of these things have. And so if you're experiencing that, that's actually a good thing. That's actually a good thing. If you if 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 it's hard to watch sports now because it's like, what is the point of this? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Let's continue on. Chapter 7, it's not very long. We'll be finishing up here. Verse 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, where they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Just real quick, I just want to read... Uh, just a small paragraph of commentary about that statement. What does he mean when he says, "Don't do what, don't, don't give what is holy to dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine." My understanding is that there's there's people out there that they hate the gospel. They hate God. It's Jesus saying, "Don't, don't cast your pearls before them." Listen to this commentary here. It says, The principle is why Jesus himself did not do miracles for unbelievers. This is to be done in respect for what is holy, not merely out of contempt for the dogs and the swine. Nothing here contradicts the principles in five forty-four, chapter 5, verse 44. That verse governs personal dealings with our enemies. This principle governs how one handles the gospel in the face of those who hate the truth. Hopefully that adds a little bit of clarity to that verse. Let's continue on. Verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will, will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. This is the law and the prophets. Please note, real quickly, there's the golden rule, right? Everybody knows what the golden rule is, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. So basic. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. 
and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Let me read you just a little bit of commentary. Christ continually emphasized the difficulty of following him. Salvation is by grace alone, but it is not easy. It calls for knowledge and truth, repentance, submission to Christ as Lord, and a willingness to obey his will and word. There's many who will stand before the Lord, right, and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do X, Y, Z? Few actually follow Christ. Few actually pick up their cross and follow Jesus. And let me just tell you, when you do, it ain't easy. It comes with adversity. It comes with spiritual struggles. It comes with some hatred from the world. All who wish to live godly will be persecuted. If you're getting great, if you're getting along great with the world, then I would ask the question, are you truly following him? Or are you on the broad road which leads to destruction? Verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, here we go. I would argue this is the most frightening verse in all of Scripture if you take it seriously and literally. Open up your hearts. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let me ask you a question. If you've read my book, Faith, Obedience, and the End of Time, I tell a story about when I was in a devotional and I read this to a group of people and got a lot of flack back a lot of nobody wanted to hear the reality of this verse do non-believers do atheists do they cast out demons in the name of Jesus or perform miracles in the name of Jesus I'm just asking the question because Jesus is saying there's going to be many who stand before him and they're going to be dumbfounded when they find out that they're not entering in. And they're going to say, but we did this, that, and this. And he's going to say, I never knew you. By the way, the word there used for know 
think of when Mary is being told by the angel that she's going to have the Christ child, and she says, how is this possible? I've never known a man. It's talking about intimacy. Jesus is saying, I never had an intimate relationship with you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's not hard to understand what lawlessness is, right? All sin is lawlessness. It's rebellion against the law of God. If you think that you can be a Christian and follow Jesus and live like the world, you are incorrect. I'm sorry, that's... You hear the words out of Jesus' own mouth. Let's finish up here because I'm out of time. Ends with the parable of the two builders. Verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man, wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. In other words, are you really grounded in faith? Because when the trial comes, it'll be revealed what you really believe. When the world shuts down and there's great pressures, we just witnessed this, didn't we? We saw who had faith and who did not. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teachings. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as one of their scribes. That is the end of our study for this morning. I pray that it's went forth. I pray that you're a little convicted. It's good to be convicted. It causes us to draw close to God. It, it causes us to understand the true depravity that we are in and how great our need is for his mercy, grace, and salvation. And how seriously we should be taking our relationship with him. I hope you've been blessed. Please consider praying for me and my family in the podcast. Under a lot of pressure. Pressures that you might be surprised to know. So your prayers are much needed. Please consider supporting the mission of truth. You can do that by going to scriptureandprophecy.com. Thanks for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.